Hello everyone and welcome back to the Film Score Podcast. Today my guest is DeAndre Allen Toole, who just recently made his feature scoring debut with the film God's Country, which is sort of a drama leaning into a thriller at times that just made its premiere at Sundance, maybe exactly two months ago. And the film and the score itself, I believe, are coming out sometime in the fall, in September, I believe, tentatively at least. It's a lot of fun talking with DeAndre. I really enjoyed his score, especially how organ-based it is. You'll see me fawn over that, and especially making connections to Philip Glass. How could I not? But we don't just talk about the film. We also talk about some of DeAndre's background, including how he would, when he was younger, rip the music out of old Sega Genesis games and insert his own to really learn firsthand, give himself a crash course in scoring, which I thought was a really clever thing to do. Now, as always, you can find out more about DeAndre on his social media and keep your eyes and ears peeled for God's Country release later this year. And of course, you can always do the same for me. Now, before you get listening, just note that there are a couple issues with DeAndre's audio. A few background noises, some muddiness, things like that. But that's just what happens in this world of remote recording sometimes. Now sit back and I hope you enjoy. DeAndre, I'm, I'm so glad you could join me today. How have you been? Uh, you know, I've been doing pretty well, all things considered. I know it's a crazy time, but I've been hanging in there. How about you? Oh, I'm doing fine too. Just, uh, just staying busy and trying to keep myself distracted from everything. Yeah. <laughs> but real quick, before we jump into the actual film music, media music side of things, the reason everyone's tuning in, we actually have a very similar geographic history. You're from Detroit, moved to Chicago, and then moved to LA. And I'm actually from the Detroit area too, and now live in Chicago. So I guess in a few years, I might be LA bound too. I thought I saw that 240 area code. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how did you get involved in uh, in film music in the first place? What drew you to an interest in composing for, for media? You know, uh, ever since I was uh, young, I was just always drawn to music in general. I come from a family of musicians, all self-taught, and so that sort of ran through me as well. I was a self-taught keyboardist and uh, started writing music maybe when I was around seven or eight and I always just had this thought because for me I've sort of had this uh, experience all my life with synesthesia where it's just constantly linking sound and color and so I was just always sort of drawn to media because it's just like all of a sudden I was always inspired by the visuals and it's just like oh to me this is communicating something musically how do I tap into that. And so some of my earliest pieces were just informed by the colors of imagery and stuff that I would see around me. And that sort of expanded into like, okay, beyond this being colors, how can I sort of tap in into like the emotions or the narrative? And then I just started digging deeper and deeper. And then finally, I just got to college. I did the standard, you know, music composition track when I was an undergrad, but I knew in grad school that I always wanted to pursue specifically music for media. So I ended up studying at Columbia College Chicago, did my MFA program there, and just really dove into music for media, just all in hardcore. And so I've been really happy. Yeah, that's great. 
before we move more to the present, I'm really curious about the synesthesia side of things and how that interacts with your composition or how it might inform it. It's interesting because uh, when I find myself uh, struggling for ideas sometimes, I just take a step back and I just start with that first. It's just like sometimes I'll get into a scene and it's just like the colors, the cinematography, like the textures that I'm literally seeing on screen will like propel me towards an idea. And then it's just like, all right, now that I have this preliminary like sketch, how can I sort of wrap this in a way where this is now storytelling? And so that's been helpful for me. So I really still draw a lot of inspiration in my day-to-day sort of practices with music from that link with sound and color. Very interesting. And does it ever come up where the inspiration that, of what you're seeing and you know how that filters into, into your mind musically, does that ever contrast or conflict with the musical direction that is already there? Yes and no, just because uh, the colors themselves are never dictating like choices as far as like uh, tempo and form and things like that. It's always just more about like, all right, well, what are certain harmonies and this and that and the other? And sometimes there'll be like a melody contour that'll just come out of nowhere from the picture and stuff like that. And sometimes it works. And, and a lot of times it's just like, all right, you, like I said, you get sort of like this basic thing, but then it's really up for you to sort of contextualize it within like what you're scoring and then just sort of like wrapping it to picture neatly in a way that makes sense. So it's not like I let that generally inform, you know, my piece of music as I'm actually trying to craft a cue, but it's like just a small component that I find to be very helpful. Very interesting. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever talked with anyone that that has it, or at least has mentioned it. So it's it's a really cool, different source of inspiration and way to become musically informed. I was actually reading earlier that one of the other things that you did very early on as far as the intersection of media and music was having old game emulators and then rescoring those games. Yes. <laughs> Could you talk me through that a little bit? Just because I hear a lot of people who will rescore films but mm-hmm. I have never heard anyone do that on a game. Oh, yeah, because uh, video games were definitely, when I was growing up, like one of my first loves. I grew up, uh, especially when I was younger, with uh, a Sega Genesis. And so as I got older, like maybe middle school, maybe right at the beginning of high school, I just went online, found an emulator, and started playing through some of those old games that I used to love. And then it's just like, all right, I got more familiar with like, okay, how the music was working and how you could like, I learned through like watching other people sort of like make ROM hacks about like, okay, how to rip the music out and like manipulate the content and sort of put in your own stuff. And then so I started trying to figure out how to do that with music. And then so I would write my own music and then rip the music out of the game, put it back in, see how it worked looping and all that other stuff. And it was just like, all right, how does it change the mood? How does it change my feelings when I'm playing and interacting in the environments? And so that was one of the things that really just got me more familiar with the tech side of things. Also like introduction to sort of working within like DAW environments and stuff like that. And really just getting comfortable just writing. It was really a a formative experience for me. I love that. And I've Every now and again, I sometimes revisit or just search out, especially Super Nintendo games, because mm. some of those are really impressive, dense technical scores. Were there any particular games that you were going through that really stuck out as far as, 
either the music that was already in them or the experience that you had when you input your own music? I think uh, one of the games that I was most drawn to and that I spent a lot of time with, like I said, I had the Sega Genesis, so of course I was really into like the OG like Sonic the Hedgehog games, but there was one specifically as the third game, Sonic the Hedgehog 3, that I spent a lot of time just because I thought the score was already pretty cool, it's pretty funky, it's pretty groovy, and then I was even more interested as I got older and I started reading into it and I read that, oh, Michael Jackson had something to do with uh, really? some of the music game so I read and I was like ah fascinating I'm like maybe that's why I like it so much because even as a kid I liked a lot of Jackson music and yeah that game spending a lot of time and putting my own music in was sort of like you know how I really got into like the groovier fun less serious side of my writing that I still like to dive into every now and again I know I've been doing a lot of television work and film work but it's nice to sort of step back and just do something that can be like fun and bubbly and energetic and you know not completely nonlinear. I just like I like that sort of all right how can I make this piece of music groovy interesting but you know you might spend a lot of time in this environment so yeah. it's just like something that's an earworm which you know creating like really groovy earworms can be tricky so it's like you have to spend time with it and it's starting to change the last several years there was definitely for whatever reason a stigma around a lot of video game music that it was somehow lesser than like film music for instance but then you take like you know, some of the original mario games for instance have a lot of really really iconic music that all you need to think is like all right mario music and then bam those melodies are in your head that actually has to be such a challenge to come up with something that's going to be fun catchy that's going to stick with you but also isn't going to drive you crazy when you've spent yes. 10 minutes in the same area hearing the same two minutes of music looped over and over. Right, right. And I, I feel as if like it's a testament to the writing where people still love those themes like decades later. And I mean, yeah. you've heard them over and over and over again, and yet it just becomes so ingrained into culture. People really stick with these melodies for a long time. Look, that's the beauty of a great melody. On that, and I don't want to keep us on this tangent for too long. I mean, is that something that you're interested in revisiting a little more, scoring for four games? Oh yeah, absolutely. Right now I'm assistant uh, composing on a game right now that I'm really excited about. Composing for games in my own career is something that I definitely haven't lost sight of. So hopefully there'll be more room for that in the future, but I'm just open to all the opportunities that are coming my way right now. So hopefully a video game will be included in that. <laughs> Great. I mean, and that's that's one thing that has to be so exciting is probably now more than ever, there are just so many games coming out. I mean, when you have like Steam and the Epic Store, anyone really can, with the know-how at least, can make a game, get it published. So that means there's more and more opportunities for people like you to actually make the music for them. <laughs> but the real reason you're on here is going to talk about God's Country, which I saw when it premiered at Sundance, gosh, it was like a month and a half ago at this point, in, uh, sometime in late January. How did you get involved in that? Because that was your, I think your feature score debut, right? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And so, like I said, it all started back when I was a fellow uh, at the 2020 uh, Sundance Film Music and Sound Design Lab. 
And so when I was part of that program, I got paired with uh, Julian, Julian Higgins, who's the director of God's Country. And he was still actively in the middle of like producing the project, but of course things were also paused because the pandemic had just really settled in. And so everything was sort of in this holding pattern. But at the time he was able to give me the screenplay to look over. He had like a few minutes of the film already shot. And so we just watched uh, what was available. I read the screenplay. I was sort of trying to figure out, okay, well, how is this adaptation working from like the source material, which was James Lee Burke's uh, short story, Winter Light, and just really understanding what he was trying to do and the way that he was sort of adapting the characters and the themes and the new direction in which he was trying to take them. And so it's like, okay, this is super interesting. It's a lot to wrap my head around, but it was also intriguing that at that moment, Julian still wasn't sure if there was going to be a score to the project at all. Hmm. So he's really allowed us to walk into the lab because, of course, we have to write a certain amount of music for the projects that we're paired with for the culmination of the okay. lab. And so we're just like, all right, well, this just seems like a really open-ended experiment. You know, we're not committed to any sort of thing. So it's just like, let's just see how music could theoretically function in this movie and let's play with some things because there wasn't any sort of expectations. There wasn't really a lot of pressure either. It was just a lot of communicating and just throwing ideas at the wall to sort of see what sticks. And that was our process for the two or three weeks that we were together during the lab. And that process ended in about 10 minutes of music that I wrote for God's Country initially. And then after that, we just sort of kept in touch because Julian and I, we actually became pretty cool like during the lab. But of course, everything was remote. So we didn't get to spend all that time together and, you know, sort of make the connections the way that people in the lab are probably used to like prior because I know the lab is usually at Skywalker Ranch and it's like a big deal. But it was just like, okay, it's all over Zoom. So we just had to sort of meet independently. We had the whole socially distanced sort of like afternoons and his like front lawn continuing to sort of discuss the movie, discuss the themes and also get to know each other as people and as creatives and actually really how this whole thing began. So by the time the lab ended, you had, you said about 10 minutes of music. Yeah. Then how did the decision get made to keep going? I mean, was it after, was it after the, the lab was over that you had kind of convinced him to use music that it needed to be scored? Well, I think what was really the takeaway from the lab, at least for Julian, is just like, hmm, maybe there is something to having a music in this film. Like, I think maybe this film actually really would benefit from music. Like, it could need music. And I think that was really the shift in thinking that really endeared one Julian to sort of like me in a process because we had just gotten comfortable in sort of discussing these ideas and how they could work. But at the same time, this wasn't an overnight thing like, okay, yes, now you are scoring this film, you are the composer, blah, 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 blah. But what was great is that, like I said, we just continued to sort of hang out and just sort of talk about things. And we just sort of got into like, okay, what sources do you draw inspiration from? Like, and what do you think about X, Y, and Z? And so we would just start sending like albums back and forth about mm -hmm. like, we thought was cool or just like, oh, I'm really into this film. It communicates 
a certain aspect of what I'm trying to do in like my film, like maybe you would be interested in watching this or I'm really drawn to the score of this film or the textures from this piece of music. And then we just go back and forth, have a lot of discussions about things. And that was just sort of a way that we could sort of keep the ball rolling about like things that we could potentially do in the score for God's country without having to really dig too deeply into actually writing and sending things back and forth. It was just like, all right, we can talk about things generally, but in a way that it's more tied to like overall themes of the movie, things that we're really trying to encapsulate. But at the same time, these things are constantly shifting because we haven't finished shooting the film yet. The screenplay is still being revised. So it made sense to really stay at this global level of thinking instead of trying to get into anything too specific. And so that is where we sort of landed for a few months until the beginning of the next year, which was 2021. And then things were sort of at a reasonable level in the pandemic, if you want to use the word reasonable, but he could go out and shoot things again. So it was in location, I think in Montana, and he's like, it might make sense for you to take another stab at some material because we had sort of moved away from some of the initial ideas that I had written during the lab. And it's just like, all right, how do I encapsulate everything that we've been talking about for like the past few months into a new piece of music? And so I spent quite a bit of time with it uh, and just really wrote a five minute suite, five or six minute suite that was really tied to the main character of the film, which is uh, Sandra Guidry. I remember sending it to him and he just had a really great response he's like oh yeah i'm listening to it like here in the environment it feels really right feels really personal like he just had a great response and that was just sort of like okay cool i've done my job and now i just sort of have to see what comes of it because we had this piece of music there are some other little themes that i've written that he was sort of drawn to but i also had to see what was going to happen because i relatively still new young composer i've done additional music but i didn't have any major credits so they put out the call for composers and i just had to go through the process like everyone else uh, put in my like reel and just see what happens and luckily it just worked out where i still got the gig and we just continued our relationship from there did you have any doubts that despite all the the work, the conversations going on for however long beforehand that you wouldn't end up on uh, on the final project? You never really know how things are going to work out. So I wasn't really trying to look at it with the intent of, okay, I'm really going to get this project. It was really just nice to talk to him mm-hmm. about the project. I just knew Julian was somebody that I wanted to keep close to and I wanted to work with eventually, even if it wasn't this project, but just to keep the conversations going. So it's like, okay, are we speaking the same language? Like, would this collaboration work out on a project that you have in the future, even if it's not God's country? But I was just so drawn to the material that part of me was always hoping maybe it can be this project. So I'm happy that it worked out. Yeah, I mean, that's, especially on your first feature, like, that has to be so exciting because it only happens once. Right. What was it about the material that really drew you to work on this film? All the things they were tackling and the way that they changed the ethnicity and the age and the gender of the main character and just the way that all of a sudden all of those changes interact with the environment that she's in all of a sudden it's just like you're tackling racism, sexism, just like misogyny and there's just all these like 
different sort of power struggles in the film that really resonated with me as well because it's just like a lot of the things that she's tackling in this film are also familiar to me they're personal to me from there it was just easy to sort of connect to how isolated and how lonely and almost how sad one could be in that environment and sort of just like getting into the psychology of this character but also getting into the psychology of things that I've also experienced you know navigating my own life in similar environments and really just creating a score that's able to communicate the scale of how these interactions can be very very tragic but at the same time they're also very personal yeah it's an interesting perspective coming in and immediately clicking with this material and just trying to figure out all right well how can i use my voice to sort of complement something that is already working so well but you know at the same time it's easy to overpower those sorts of themes and exploration so it's just like you want to also tread lightly so it's just interesting to me because it also presented a challenge that was really engaging on finding the right tone and it was just something that I was really passionate about and I think really was the driving force behind a lot of the conversations that I had with Julian. Look, the problem with that answer is there's too many really good threads to jump down. <laughs> <laughs> but the last thing you said was was particularly interesting, talking about not wanting to overpower what's already working in the film. And that's something that I think comes across in the score, that there's a good amount of music, but there's also a lot of what seems like very deliberate decisions to pull the music back or not really have music at all and to let the world speak and breathe and, and exhibit its own sounds. One of the things that really struck me is because there are a lot of shots of this really awing, daunting Montana scenery, snow-covered mountains and forests, things like that. And a lot of time when you see films set in the West and that are showing those landscapes, that the music's there to build up the landscape even more. And a lot of the time, the music is in God's country. You've, you've either pulled it back entirely, or you're really instead honing in on the loneliness and the despair that can come from being in those types of situations, that type of world. Yeah, it's it was interesting because the music is never really about like emphasizing the grandness of the environment if anything the environment itself is almost mythic and the way that we sort of treat it is just that everything even the conflicts and the people and everything that's sort of in this film is sort of encompassed by this grand landscape so this whole concept of being grand is not really what we're after but it's just also it's highlighting how small everything and everyone is in this environment like there's all these different wide shots like in the film and you can see like houses and sometimes you can see like maybe traces of the community but like at the same time it's just it's constantly centered on maybe one two three people on screen in those moments if there's any people in the shot at all and so that's what i was trying to make sure that i focused on was just like all right providing this sense of scale and so it was playing actively against the environment. It's keeping the music small or pulling back and letting the environment be its own thing. 
And was that always the focus from, I mean, even going back to those earlier conversations you and Julian were having, to have the music really connect with the individuals, particularly with Sandra, or did it go through different permutations? That's a good question. What's interesting is that I don't think instinctively, at least at first, that I was tying the music specifically to Sandra. I was trying to like capture a few different things, but then a lot of what Julian and I talked about is just like, okay, how can we make this more specific? And one piece of advice that we had gotten from a mentor, like during the lab is just like how to not put a hat on a hat. So it was really just trying to figure out, okay, like what can the score add to a particular scene or moment that's not already being communicated by some other aspect of the film, whether it's the dialogue, whether it's like the cinematography. And that's where we sort of landed on this sense of like isolation, tragedy, setting in, you know, the audience's mind that what we are watching inevitably is a tragedy that has no real way of resolution like it's already set in motion and it's going to end terribly but how do we constantly reinforce that without also tipping our hand too heavily so it's a fine line to sort of walk but that was also what i found really interesting about this score was just sort of finding out how to walk it and how to do it convincingly and then also having there be some sort of payoff towards the end of the film because i just feel as if we have been treading lightly, but then it also gives us some room to really have some big emotional moments when they're needed and earned. Absolutely. Because, I mean, it it very clearly is a fine line and a delicate balance. Did you ever run into situations where you ended up going too far one way or the other and then having the realization of like, oh, crap, this didn't work? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And like I said, what was great about working with uh, Julian is that like he also has a lot of great instincts about music, even though he was so afraid of having music in the score. I mean, music in the film at first, or maybe not afraid, but at least reluctant. What was great about getting into this process with him is that he was also just a very talented uh, music editor. And then so like a lot of times I would compose some things and then like you know he let the idea sort of sit in his head but then I'd also provide stems and then in some cases he would just sit with the material and just be like hmm what if I just move certain elements of this or that or the other over here and so it's just like when he would do that it would become like just another launching off point to be like all right well I see that I wrote this piece of music and you drew some elements from it, but I noticed you didn't use X, Y, and Z. And it's like, why is that? Being able to communicate exactly what we need to communicate with the least amount of maybe musical effort, being able to encapsulate everything that we need to say, not only like in a narrative sense, but also just like musically, it's just like, how can I get this idea across without having to use up so much sonic space because a lot of what we're doing in this film is letting things breathe when things would get too crowded it would just be like all right how can we figure out ways to sort of inject space and room and i just felt as if like the concept of space and breathing and just cycles became such a large uh, conceptual aspect of the score itself and that was 
really and a lot of part owed to Julian and just sort of like having these conversations and also him encouraging me not to spend so much time writing to pictures specifically, mm. picking moments, picking moods, picking characters, and just writing away from picture and just generating material. And then I would just give it to him. And then we would sometimes just get on Zoom and he'd have like his editing program up and we would just start moving it like, all right, where could this piece of music go? And why does it make sense? And then that would just sort of lay the groundwork. And then of course I would start tailoring it specifically to picture. But yeah, that's how that's all sort of worked. That's really interesting because that always seems to be the standard of maybe not straight to picture because I, I do know a lot of people that will have suites and then go from there. But that seems like a really good way to, an effective way to find what's actually going to work and then go from there rather than having the the fear of writing a lot to picture and having that get scrapped, having to start over, rewind the clock a little bit. But frankly, my probably my favorite part of the score is that there's a lot of piano and organ in particular throughout. I'm a big Philip Glass fan, and so that might be why anytime I hear organ and really any piece of music, but scores in particular, I get really excited. So that was something that struck me from Actually, you know, the the opening minute of the film, I think, where it's slowly zooming in on a TV screen showing a lot of older photographs from the West and that haunting organs playing. It doesn't necessarily tip the hand, but it clues you in that it's, you know, in one sense going to be this battle, this struggle, this strife over this holy majestic land. And then you hear that organ aesthetic come up throughout that really hammers in without being like too overt how mythical the land really is. I love that choice. Thank you. We definitely spent uh, some time, like, like that was a big part of the palette and you know because a lot of uh, the conversations we had were also about like there's a lot of obviously like, religious like undertones in this movie and so like that organ uh, that theme on the organ specifically the way that we use it because it really just bookends the movie we use it at the beginning and we use it at the very end it's like the first piece of score you hear and it's also the last piece of score you hear and it just felt that also globally that made so much sense just because like the the events of this film and especially because of the slideshow that you were just talking about these events and the way that things happen have existed in a cycle that has been repeating for centuries without yeah. end. And so conceptually, the score was trying to do the same thing, take you in this big journey, but ends very much the same way that it began. Yeah, that stuck out to me, too, because it has that effect. Where I think a lot of the time when you're tying an organ to some um, overt religious imagery. I mean, there's a short scene that takes place inside of a church. You know, it's in the, the title of the film, so it's not a surprise that there's a connection to religion in the film and in the score, but that it doesn't ever give the implication that there's something angelic or ethereal, because that can so easily be the interpretation when you have music and that aesthetic like that. <laughs> but did you think that there were more opportunities for you and Julian, both having that being effectively your feature debuts, did it lend itself to more of an openness and like a willingness to see what might work? 
You know, I think yes, but that Julian was largely responsible for guiding me towards like, oh, yeah, there are possibilities here. We can take our time better because, you know, we had so much time because of the pandemic. And so like it just really allowed us to expand those conversations and then also just like not have to worry about arriving at any one conclusion with the score and also just there were so many things that were just working about the project as is, is that I also never felt like the music ever needed to be a solution for anything, which took a lot of pressure off of me as well. The way that we're using music is very focused, very targeted. And now I can just sort of sit back, trust this person that I've been talking to for the past year and a half when they say I don't need to be worried about scoring to picture immediately, just being able to generate material, turn it over to somebody and know that it's in good hands. They know exactly what they want out of the project. They have a musical ear and they are also really great about looping me in and coming to like a consensus together about what we want to do as far as like the score, or this specific piece that I've turned over is concerned. So it just felt really comfortable and I think because it was my first feature and also like his first feature it was really an opportunity for us to sort of like set the terms of like how we wanted to work going forward and especially like if we wanted to work together or work with other people in the future it's just like we now have this experience where we see that we got really great results and how can we take a lot of the more positive aspects of this uh, collaboration and apply them to like future situations when we are working with other people because it's just like hey this might seem a little bit unorthodox or scary but it's like we got really great results working this way and I would love to try this with you and I just don't think we would have had that opportunity to find what those processes were if we didn't have the time allotted to us by the pandemic. With that extra time, having so much more time than normal to like to work with Julian, to work on the score itself, were there any specific things that you really want to take with you to future projects? Or were there any particular things that now with hindsight, you're like, I can't believe I did that. I'm never doing that again. Hmm. Not so much the latter, but I think for me, it was just the finding the value of uh, getting in on a project as soon as possible, just because like a lot of people, just because composers are obviously, we're very much in post. So like a lot of times, like everything is already like shot, everyone's gone home. It's just like, all right, but maybe they're working on color or something like that. But like, for the most part, it's complete. But I just really like that, all right, we were still actively shooting like I was able to sort of respond to things in real time as they were happening and also I got a chance to really create a palette and some themes that got to organically grow alongside the project in a way that I normally wouldn't have you know the time for just because it's already finished but just being able to be a part of that process being able to come on set and see things as they're happening, seeing things being shot and just being in the middle of this whole process really just opened my eyes and inspired me in ways that I just haven't been able to be inspired before just because I'd never been in the situation where it's just like, all right, I'm in a project that is friendly enough to actually invite me on set and shoot things while like my rough sketches are playing in the background. Mm. 
seeing how this music is influencing things in real time is just really valuable. And I would love if that could be a part of how I work with uh, people in the future, it's just having that time to be part of the process earlier. I mean, I know that it's not always possible, but if there is a time where it's just like, okay, I'm willing to start looking at composers now because there may be some benefit of having more time for conversations and just honing in on themes and palettes and stuff like that. I just think that I would love to work that way if people would have me. I hope so. And I also hope that that is more of a trend in projects going forward because I only hear really good things about films that bring in their composers early and that the composers aren't just given eight weeks at the end to write the score. When you have that initial time and when, like when music's playing on set, sketches of the score or particular theme are playing and then not only are you being informed by what you're seeing and you having more time, but then the cast and the crew are also being informed by the musical choice. And it, I think, adds much more synergy to what's a very collaborative process. So I'll be here uh, from my computer screen championing that because you know, I, I want more of it. Yes, same. <laughs> <laughs> but what kind of experiences have you had in the aspect of your career where you're writing additional music for a show, for instance? The experiences, they just vary pretty widely and it really all depends on the person that you are writing for and also like the project and the creative team. So a lot of it just depends on the people, but like all of my, uh, I guess, experiences have been positive in the way that I've just learned a lot, not about just my own process and how I write, but like other people's processes and how they write. And it's just like treating all of those opportunities, sort of like many lessons in a way where it's just like, I can sit and really get like a different perspective and just like, all right, what am I going to incorporate in my own workflow from this sort of experience? And I just feel as if like the way that I've started writing and when the way that I sort of like structure things or like good practices really just come from a lot of the experiences that I've had, like having to learn quickly, how does this person work? And also how can I sort of emulate things so I can fit into the world and a palette that they've created? I think it's a really interesting way to frame it that every project is like a, a mini lesson on its own because you're kind of thrust in with a, a different crew, maybe working under a different, uh, more senior, more veteran composer and picking up and going from there. So no, it sounds like a good learning environment in particular. Yeah, you know, and it's just great that I've been able to sort of use that to really launch into my own career. And now it's just like, all right, I feel like confident that all of these things have paid off, like all of the times that I've sort of like absorbed all these different ways of doing things that paid off because I have a clear path in my mind of how I want to do things and how I can do things. And now I can see that they can bring real results and that I can do features. And so it's just been really great to, you know, just look back and also have a lot of gratitude for those experiences as well and the composers that I've worked for. Oh, that's great. And I guess on on that note of using these experiences to 
inform your your path and how you want to move forward and having various experiences in, in writing different types of music is there a style of music or a you know a genre of film that you're particularly looking forward to you've got your fingers crossed hoping that you have that opportunity Definitely more uh, psychological thrillers. I, I love psychological thrillers. Also, sci-fi. Very into sci-fi. So I'm hoping I get to write music for some really engaging, just really aesthetically just out there sci-fi. Like, love <laughs> it. I also have a soft spot for uh, animation, especially like the more surreal and abstract, the better. Mm. So even beyond just like talking about like film specifically in those sort of genres, I just also want to spend more time exploring my own work outside of writing uh, for pictures specifically, just because of course you are working in a collaborative way, you know, with the director and sort of, you know, just also trying to tell a story because the music is functioning as a narrative device, but I also like to sort of explore like, all right, if I'm just sort of writing music for myself, just for the sake of writing music, what is going to come out? And I just think it's nice to sort of flex that muscle just because, you know, it's a different outlet, but then at the same time, it also has this sort of symbiotic relationship with writing music for me because it just, it leads you to some new ideas that maybe wouldn't lift and put literally into a project, but it could sort of broaden the way that you think about music because it's like I don't want to get into the trap where it's just like I'm constantly thinking about music in terms of like film music or tv music or yeah. game music. it's just like I want to just have fun with music as a whole and just find different outlets to sort of express different ideas that I have and so I really want to just spend some time maybe in the future just working on a passion project, an EP, an album, see what happens. This is things that I'll revisit maybe when, of course, you have a little bit more money and <laughs> right. stuff like that. But, you know, it's just nice that I can start to dream about it. Yeah. But, uh, well, DeAndre, I, I really appreciate you joining me. I appreciate you giving your time to chat with me a bit about both God's Country and film music, game music, all sorts of things. Thanks for having me, Nick. Yeah, of course.